I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal, your host for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. True stories about money, crime, and the battle to control the Strip. I've covered organized crime from the streets to the boardrooms of the Strip for more than 40 years. We have lots of great content ahead from Vegas, but I would also like to introduce you to another great podcast called Mafia. Mafia is an audio boom original that examines the lives and criminal careers of America's notorious underworld figures. This season, you'll hear about gangsters from across the country, including government informant Jimmy the Weasel Fratiano, New England's longtime crime syndicate leader, Raymond Patriarca, Silver Dollar Sam Carollo, who set up a mafia family in New Orleans. Mafia will also look at what Boston area mobster James Whitey Bulger was doing while he was on the run from the FBI, and much more. Catch new episodes every Wednesday. Coming up is a preview of Mafia. You can subscribe to Mafia on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. During the 1920s, the Big Easy was home to some of the most notorious members of the New Orleans underworld, including Silvestro Silver Dollar Sam Carollo, a mafioso whose life is shrouded in legend and mystery. There's a lot of lack of reliable sources when it comes to Carollo. He's kind of a mysterious figure when it comes to who was he as a person. His name. Do you see it? as Corolla and Corollo. And there's always been that argument, which is it? And I've heard different excuses of, of why somebody just heard it as Corolla and it got printed as Corolla and it got changed to Corolla at some point. It was because of the newspapers. Also his nickname, Silver Dollar Sam. It appears that was an invention of the newspapers as well. As a member of Charles Matranga's Black Hand Gang, Sam Carollo quickly became a force to be reckoned with, eventually surpassing Matranga as New Orleans' top dog. If Carollo ever resembled an Al Capone figure in New Orleans, it was during this time. The newspapers would call him the little czar of the underworld, a viper's bootlegger, and the worst of the Chicago-style gangsters. But Sam Carollo's luck was about to run out when one of his targets survived an attack. Carollo and his gang beat up Hayes, and Carollo shot him in the back, and Penton survived, so he was able to identify Carollo as the shooter. This is Mafia. Silvestro Carolla was born June 17, 1896, in Terracini, Sicily. At the age of six, Carollo emigrated to the United States with his mother, arriving in the French Quarter of New Orleans. Ronald Rawson is a contributor to the National Crime Syndicate. Sam was six years old. Sam and his mother come over on the SS Manila in 1903. They leave the port of Palermo on January 24th, and they arrive in the port of New Orleans on February 14th, 1903. And it was just Sam and his mother, uh, Serafina Bamarita. There is no documentation of Sam's father, and it's believed that his mother, Serafina, raised Sam as a single parent. 
As Carollo grew into his teenage years, he began a romantic relationship with his first cousin, Katarina. So the first we hear of Sam in the newspapers is in 1913. Katarina was born in New Orleans. Her dad, Anthony Carollo, was Sam's uncle. Katarina goes by Tenny. Tenny and Sam disappear the first week of March in 1913. They go to a, a French Quarter hotel and they register as man and wife. And they, they're there for about a week until the, the operator of the hotel uh, reads in the newspaper that two 16-year-olds were being sought, you know, they had run away. From the description that she read in the newspaper, she figured, okay, that's the, the two kids that I, I have here. The hotel manager notified the authorities. When questioned about their marriage, Carollo lied and said he and Katarina eloped. You know, when, when they got busted at the hotel, you know, they were both taken, uh, Tenny was taken to a, a home for, I guess, basically wayward girls. And um, Sam was taken to like a juvenile detention center. And Tenny basically told the people and her father that she would rather die than live without Sam. Well, this didn't sit too well with Tenny's dad, Anthony, and, and after some discussion with the courts, they decide to let Sam and, and Tenny go to Gulfport because Louisiana had a law where you couldn't marry your first cousin, but Mississippi had no qualms about it. On March 20th, 1913, Sam Carollo and his first cousin, Katarina, traveled to Gulfport, Mississippi and became husband and wife. During this time period, the Matranga crime family had risen to prominence in New Orleans. Charles Matranga ruled over the New Orleans underworld with lucrative criminal activities, including extortion and labor racketeering. Sam Carollo had risen through the ranks of Matranga's Black Hand Gang, becoming an influential member. Shortly after Prohibition, Charles Matranga was unwilling to get involved in bootlegging and decided to retire. It is rumored that following Matrenga's retirement in 1922, Corrado Giacona assumed leadership and Carollo handled day-to-day -day operations. Basically what you would call a street boss. This, this kind of fits all the little bits and pieces that you find on New Orleans mafia history. There's no real definitive book, uh, source, or anything. There's all little bits and pieces scattered all over the place. you got to kind of put them together. In 1927, Sam Carollo filed a petition for citizenship. He was ultimately denied due to his two-year stint in federal prison four years prior for stealing 89 barrels of beer, a violation of the Volstead Act, also known as the National Prohibition Act. Sam, you know, a, a lot of sources say Sam never became a citizen, never tried to become a citizen. Well, he did. February 27th, 1927, he filed a petition for naturalization, but he was rejected for naturalization due to his Volstead Act violation. So he, he tried to do the right thing and become a citizen. It just didn't work out the way he wanted. Legend has it, at the height of Carollo's power, infamous mafioso Al Capone tried to convince Carollo to supply his Chicago outfit with imported booze 
in exchange for cutting off rival bootlegger Joe Aiello. Al travels to New Orleans. Sam meets Al at the train station. One version has it with some goons, another version with some New Orleans cops. Al gets off the train with his goons and Sam basically tells him to turn around, go back to Chicago. However, Al being here in 1929, Al had a really busy year in 1929. You know, he had the uh, Valentine's Day massacre. He went to jail in, in Pennsylvania. And two, you know, Al was one of the most famous people in the country. You know, photographers followed him everywhere. You know, if, if Al had visited New Orleans, it, it seems like it would have been documented by the newspapers. As far as I'm concerned, it's myth. I mean, I never say never because you never know what kind of information might pop up later. Thursday, August 22nd, 1929. Two alleged opium traffickers were being pursued by Agent Clarence Moore and Agent Julius Piper. That morning, the two suspects emerged from the shadows and got into their vehicle. Agent Moore slammed on the gas and rammed his car into theirs. As Agent Moore left his car to apprehend the dealers, one of the suspects shot Moore in the face. The bullet went straight through his jaw. Dexter Babin is the interim executive director and curator at the Regional Military Museum in Houma, Louisiana. New Orleans during the 1920s was named one of the largest dope distributors. And when we talk about dope here, we mean heroin. And in the summer of 1929, there was a heroin shortage in New Orleans, causing dope prices to skyrocket. He actually survived the shooting. But the, the shooting of Moore was an embarrassment to New Orleans. The Saturday of Moore's shooting, police superintendent Theodore Ray demanded a citywide cleanup of uh, New Orleans' $1 million a year dope industry. As police conducted raids throughout the area, witnesses identified Peter Capro and Armando Omari as the alleged suspects. Their bonds were set at $15,000 each. Capro was a bootlegger. He had a long history of violence and bootlegging, and Omari didn't fit kind of the profile. He was an ex-sailor, a drifter, and a drug addict. So they brought Capro into Moore's hospital room, but Moore didn't identify him as the man who shot him. Three weeks after the shooting, Moore would appear uh, at the New Orleans District Attorney's Office signing uh, a document saying that Peter Capro and Armando Amari were not the two men who shot him. So that kind of let him off the hook for that. It would be Agent Moore's partner, Agent Piper, who would file a blank complaint and identify Sam Carollo and Frank Todaro. Frank Todaro was a pretty important figure. He was underboss to Corrado Giancona, and he was also the uncle to Jacqueline Todaro, who ended up marrying Carlos Marcello. Carollo and Todaro had fled New Orleans shortly after Moore's shooting. Grand jury indictments were soon handed down for the two men. 